All right. This is going to be fun. <laughs> uh, I've got a little timer here I'm starting. I'm not making any promises, but I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, this is just to keep, keep me. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, the meeting. Thank you. There's a children's church meeting. AJ's going to meet with anyone interested. We're just kind of revamping everything because we went from two services to one service, and then all the, everything's kind of happened really fast with everything that's going on. So directly after church, if you can meet in the splash zone, correct? Yeah, in the splash zone. If you're interested in helping with children's church, so there will be pizza. So there'll be food of some sort. Sorry. I forgot about it. Thank you. So, yes, after, directly after church. Do I restart my timer now? I'm just kidding. No. I'm joking. <laughs> All right, so, uh, <laughs> so I want to talk to you guys about love. If you haven't seen on Facebook, I've already posted that about this is kind of what we're going to be diving into. I really feel like we all, we all have just, have, we've, we've swam around in grace and we understand it. I mean, I, I look at all, all these faces out here and you guys just know it. Um, and I just feel like as we move into a new chapter, that love is just the catalyst that's just going to ignite that grace so that we can share it with other people. So this is where we're going to, this is the direction I feel like the Lord's leading me to. So we're going to continue to talk about love here for a little bit. But I read something actually this morning uh, that one of our friends in Honduras uh, posted, and it was just a little meme that said, uh, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And it really resonated with me, and it went right along with my, my sermon. So I was like, I'm going to steal that and use it. So I did. But what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 John 4.16. And I'm going to read through the scripture. We're going to pray, and then we're just going to kind of dive into this. 1 John 4.16. It says, And we have come to know and to believe the God, I'm sorry, to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves, involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For the person, excuse me, who does not love his brother, he has seen, cannot love the God he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we come in here and we meet with you, Father. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for, for this opportunity for me, Father. Thank you for this opportunity for our church to reach out in our community. Father, we just, we just love you and I pray that you will speak through me today. Father, that your Holy Spirit will be felt in this place not because of anything eloquent that I have to say, but, Father, that your spirit will pierce our hearts. Father, we love you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Several weeks ago, we decided to go to this, tramp, this new trampoline park. I don't know if any of you have been there yet. Um, if you have, you'll be able to relate a little bit to the story. If you haven't, <laughs> I'll prepare you for it. Um, we, we went with some friends. It was actually uh, the Perez's, Robert and, and Michelle, went with us and their kids, and, and uh, the the the, the first part, when you first get in there, there's this basically an hour and a half to two hour long line. They're basically understaffed, and they've got a few teenagers back there rolling their eyes and being frustrated with everyone. And so you go in, and you wait for a couple hours in line, and it's hot. <laughs> it's kind of like Disney World. And then you go into, <laughs> and then you go into uh, I'm going to fall off the stage. And if you go into, uh, you wait through the line, you go through there, and then you get to the front, and they're, they're 
a few, a few people back there, not enough. Um, and then they go through all these different things you have to go through, these forms you have to fill out and all this stuff and safety stuff. And then they, then they tell us that we're required to wear these socks that you have to buy from them, special trampoline socks that you have to purchase from them. How convenient. And, uh, and then they know after you've been waiting in an hour, an hour and a half line that's hot, you're going to buy their overpriced sugary caffeinated drink, especially if you're me and you need some extra energy because it's late and you're old. So we spent a ton of money to jump on these trampolines for all the little neat to details. And you know, if you know how cheap I am, that's a big deal. So we finally get into this place, and we put our fancy socks on with the little rubber circles on the bottom that we were forced to buy. And then we, we go to the first little deal, and I'm, I'm all excited. I've taken a couple swigs of my sugary caffeinated drink, and me and Robert line up at, the, at the, uh, this little obstacle course. Now, in my mind, I still think I can do the things that I could do 20 years ago. I really do. Like, I really think that I'm capable of doing these things. And so, do what? You still can? Well, you should have been in my place because I, I couldn't. So we, uh, we lined up, and uh, we waited for the few kids to go ahead of us. And I remember thinking when we first got there, I was like, I don't need to spend this money. I don't want to do it. But then I thought, well, this is going to be fun. I, I don't want to get in there and then have to go back and wait through this line, you know, if I really want to do it. So we ended up paying so that the adults could play too. And I'm glad I did, sort of. So, <laughs> so we line up at this obstacle course. And it's kind of like an American Ninja type thing. And like I said, I, I think in my mind that I can do these things. The first deal is these little balls on the rope that you grab and you swing across like a monkey. You just grab it and you swing across. And so I think, well, maybe if I grab it, I know I might not be able to support my own weight, but maybe if I swing, I can grab the other one and maybe make it across. Well, I grabbed the first one, and, you know, when the guy blew the whistle or whatever, I swung, and I didn't even halfway make it to the other one, just fell (laughs) into the abyss of foam quicksand. It looks soft and nice, but you can't get out of this stuff. It takes forever. So I climbed out of there. And I'm, I'm in a race. I'm trying to beat Robert, and Robert's doing the same thing over there, doing much better than I am. So the next thing is kind of monkey bars. I'm like, well, monkey bars I can do. That's a little bit different. And same thing. <laughs> Fell into the butt. And so the, the, the next little obstacle were these kind of look like punching bags, but they're wrapped in, in straps, kind of netting. So I thought, maybe I can do this. <laughs> you know, maybe I can do some of this stuff. So I jumped out on it, and I held on. And I, and I remember thinking, are there other kids maybe trying to climb up and pull me down? Because I felt like I'm not, I can't hold myself up. And to my surprise, I looked down and it was just me <laughs> and my adult overweight body and gravity pulling me down. And so I, and the same thing, I thought I could sway when I hit the bag and it was just like thud, fall down again. And so I went through the little abyss of quicksand foam, came out the other side. Well, the next thing was a, a wall and it had the little climb up grab handle things. And uh, yeah, like a rock wall. And so it was tall, taller than I, I realized, and we'll get to that. And so, so I grabbed a few of those things, and I'm trying to catch up now. Robert's blazing ahead of me, and I'm trying to catch up. And so I grabbed him, and I went to the top like a little ninja spider monkey cat and just like shuffled across the top, like didn't even touch the little things, but I was just shuffling across the top. And then at the very end, jumped off into the, there was like a platform, I guess, down there. But if any of you have ever been like on a high dive when you're a kid and you jump off and you hold your breath, and then you realize you need to do it again, and you're like, oh, and it's too late, and you hit the water. <laughs> it was kind of like that feeling, because I let go and didn't realize how high up I was. And I was like, ah, oh, no, I need, boom, and then I hit the, <laughs> the floor, and then it rolled off embarrassingly. And thankfully, there's kind of, people couldn't see, a lot of people couldn't see what was going on. I mean, I'm sure there were people that could see, but anyway. So the next part after that, I'm trying to remember, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. No one told me what we're supposed to do on these things, so I thought, well, this is just a pit of foam. I've done that really well back there. 
I'm going to use what I learned back there and try to make up time here too. And so I just barreled through there and got to the end and Robert wasn't there. I was like, yes, I won. And so when I, when I went to the other side to see where he was, well, that last part has rubber on both walls and you're supposed to like do that <laughs> with your legs and hands through there, which I did not do. And Robert's like trying to get through there. And I was like, oh, oh well. But anyway, I know what you're thinking. Like what in the world does this have to do with anything <laughs> that you're talking about? It's the same thing Tracy told me when I went over the sermon. She was like, yeah, what does this have to do with anything? Well, I'll get to that at the end, so you'll be held in suspense. <laughs> Just remember the story. It'll all come back to you. So, <laughs> first, in 1 John 4, 16, actually it's in 17, in, in love, in this love, in this, comma, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For, for as he is, so are we in this world. It says, and I've got so many things like in bold and underlined when I do this stuff, it's ridiculous, but love is perfected with us. Now, this is important, and at the very end it says, he, as he is, so are we in this world. Now, this is important because this establishes who we are. Uh, many of you know, and I've talked to you at, at, towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year, um, as I was praying through a lot of hard times, honestly, with, within our church and our church family, um, this, the, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to fight. And... I thought, well, that's great. Thanks for that. But I don't know what I'm fighting. I don't know who I'm fighting. I don't know what I'm fighting for. And what do you mean by that? And so I spent a lot of time on my face just praying to the Lord, um, please reveal to me what, the, what this fight is. And, and as I prepared, especially this week, for this and love, that's what it is. That's what we're fighting for. And that's what, what I saw in the lives of the people that some, some have left and some have gone to different places. That's what I saw, what I felt like my commission was to fight for this love. And this establishes who we are. It says, as he is, so are we in this world. Perfect love is, is a gift. We cannot produce it ourselves. So who has perfected love? What does it say? Who's perfected love? Who has perfect love? Who's reading? Come on. Jesus, right? Jesus has perfected love. But as he is, so are we in this world. So who, who has perfect love? We do, right. As he is, so are we in this world. How then, and I'll tell you this from my experience, how then, being saved and knowing this is who we are, do we get discouraged sometimes? Am I alone? How is it that we are walking in this life, this truth that we know that we are saved, we're sanctified, we're forgiven, grace has covered us in everything that we do, but sometimes we feel like, I don't know if I can do it this week. I'll tell you what, I felt attacked all week. I normally, I really plan on having a pretty laxed um, week as far as my, my regular job goes, and all that was upside down all week. I was so stressed all week with work stuff. It was just one thing after another, after another, after another. And I'm trying to prepare for this, and, and I'm trying to get ready for this. And honestly, I prepared. I called a friend of mine who's a pastor friend. I told him. I, was, I went through my sermon with him over the phone when I was driving to Atlanta this week. <laughs> and he stopped me about halfway through. He's like, look, you got to narrow this down. you got like five sermons in there. I was like, I don't know. I just don't want to run out of material. And so I had like every scripture, everything I talked about like backed up with like eight scriptures. And I was like, okay, people know me. I'm not lying to you. I don't have to back up everything I say with scriptures. So um, anyway, so, so I, we do, we, we get discouraged sometimes. And I think we get discouraged because we do have an enemy. Am I right? We, we, we know that we're loved. We know that grace covers us. But I'm telling you, we still have an enemy to fight. We do. Who is the enemy that we fight? I'm sorry I deal with you, so I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Who's the enemy that we fight? Satan, right? Well, I began to do a little bit of research on this old feller. <laughs> Been in Alabama too long. Uh, and I realized that his, his, his two weapons that he uses, if you want to call them that, are deception and fear. 
which is basically lies and fear. Now, I began to think about that, and I always try to use stories because I like stories. <laughs> and uh, I began to think about my life. And the first fight I, ever, I was ever in when I was a kid, and some of you, you guys have heard this, um, was, a, was a bully that basically picked on me. We moved around a lot, and I ended up in Sulphur, Louisiana. I went to this middle school, and I was very quiet, introvert. I had one friend. His name was Henry. barely spoke English. He had just been adopted. And literally, like, it was, if you've ever seen Napoleon Dynamite, that's pretty, it was just me and, me and Henry. And I was quiet and nerdy and scared of everything. And uh, <laughs> vote for Pedro. And so, uh, so I was, I was, I was quiet, and nerdy, and scared of everything. And this this bully just pushed me on the bus one day and said, "I heard you called me some name that I can't repeat, but I didn't." But he, for weeks, he tormented me and said, "You know, today's the day. I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to do this. I'm going to beat you up this day. I'm going to beat you up this day. I'm going to beat you up this day." And I was scared. I remember going home and just being so afraid of this kid. And uh, Everybody said, oh, you don't want to He was a great above me. He was bigger. They said he was a black belt in karate. He said he was a black belt in karate or black belt in something. And uh, he, was, he had all the black belts, I guess. And a uh, very intimidating uh, kid. But finally, one day in, in the lunchroom, he came up and he slammed my plate down. He's like, today's the day. You know, I'm going to do it today. And so sure enough, when I came out of the, the, the cafeteria, I walked out and there was the traditional semicircle of kids wanting to see what was going to happen. And he was there in the middle. And I was like, oh, great, here we go. And I remember thinking about it, because I had plenty of time to think about it, because he picked on me for a while. I began to think, all I know to do is what I've seen in movies and is just throw my fist as hard as I can at his face. And I don't advocate fighting <laughs> by any means. I'm not saying this is the greatest thing to do. I'm just telling you how it went. So uh, I walked up to him, and he did in middle school, which is a traditional thing, which is you throw your arms down, you bump shoulders for like 20 minutes. <laughs> but when he did that, I thought, well, perfect opportunity. <laughs> and I punched him in his face. <laughs> And he fell down. <laughs> and I was like, wow. That was kind of easy. Um, but what was interesting is he didn't get up. He stayed, the, the, uh, he stayed down for a while, and I just stood there because I didn't know what to do. And then the teachers came and everything. They broke it up and then went to the office. And it was, it was funny how humble he was afterwards. And he was just talking with the, his nose was bleeding. He had the toilet paper of his nose. And he started talking to me like we were friends in the, in the office. I was like, what are you talking about? Anyway, <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about. So... Uh, I still had to say this. Come to find out, he did not have a black belt in anything. <laughs> he was lying about the whole thing. He was using those two things, and that's why I use this as, as kind of a, an image that I could use. That, that's what the devil does. He tries to trick us into thinking he has power. That kid had no power. He was using fear and intimidation. He was using lies and intimidation to try to scare me. And it worked because I believed those lies. Now, obviously, I was much stronger than he was. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was not stronger than he was. I'm just saying... All I know is, is what happened there was a very good example of what I see happening a lot of times with us in life today is that we come through this life and we think we've got it all figured out, we've got it all figured out, and then our whole world falls apart. Our kids just decide to take their brains out, fold them up neatly, and just go insane for no reason. <laughs> I know that never happens to anybody else, but it does to me. So you just go, ah, what do we do? And so there, there are these things that, that, that I think uh, the devil uses, and that's those two tools that he uses, and, it, and it's... Lies, which are deception and fear. And he started that in the garden. It was a lie that started it, and it was intimidation and fear. It, he, he was con- trying to convince Adam and Eve that God was holding out on them, and he wasn't. And he lied to them about it, and they believed it. And so, fast forward, and this was a lot of stuff I cut out because we don't have time to go through all this. Fast forward, Jesus bought all that back. We know that. Um, so we don't have to live in fear anymore. So, what's interesting is Webster's definition of fear, which I looked up, is an 
an unpleasant emotion caused by the anticipation or awareness of danger. That's interesting. An unpleasant emotion, I could say that, fear would be that, caused by the anticipation or awareness of danger. It's not even real danger. (laughs) It's the anticipation of it. Fear is saying, I'm so scared of something that's not even happening. I mean, how many times can can we get so gripped by fear that we're rendered ineffective. Am I right? And it's fear that's anticipation of danger. (laughs) It's not even the actual danger. It's just the anticipation of it. And so it's the same thing. It's lies. Listen, the devil's already lost, right? It said right there that that we have perfect love now because Jesus has, has bought this back for us. Everything we lost in the garden, he's paid for. So we have it already, right? So we fight from victory, not towards it. So we know that, but still the devil lies and he tries to deceive us. And so even, even the, the loved and the saved person can get distracted sometimes by those lies. That's not who you are, but we can still start to believe those as if they're true and they're not. So even Webster strips the power from the devil. I think that's great. Good job. Um, fear can cripple you and prevent you from doing what you were made to do. And when I was doing research on this, it said the Bible says fear not 365 times throughout the Bible. I thought that was interesting because there's 365 days. So I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yes, leap year. It is leap year. So, but that, that's over. So, uh, so how do we counter this fear? All, these, all these, these, these statements beg questions, and I always question everything that I read. And what's interesting about when, when I'm studying for these things to teach you, I've got to embrace them in myself, which is difficult sometimes. When I begin to research this stuff and read it and pray about it, I go, wow, God's speaking to me through this. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you guys this if I don't truly believe it, right? And so when I'm reading this, I'm going, oh, God, this is revelational. Tracy and I were just talking about that this morning. Trinity's going on our first field trip to New Orleans. We're thinking, oh, New Orleans, somebody's going to take her, and she's going to be sold somewhere. You know, all these things. I mean, seriously, we fear these things, and it grips us. And so I'm forced to deal with it because God's like, hey, you want to teach these people? Here you go. And so we did. And Tracy and I prayed this morning. It's just it's such a weight. It doesn't mean that we're not cautious. We don't love, you know, our kids. But listen, God's got this. I mean, he really does. Think about, most of you guys know my story. Think about what I've been through and I'm still here. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to even get into that because I don't want to cry. So <laughs> love, how do, we, how do we counter this fear? I just gave you the answer. Love. I said it, and you still didn't say it. Love. First John four eighteen says, "There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Who has perfect love, church? Who has perfect church? Church. Who has perfect church? We do. Who has perfect love? We do. Right." If we've accepted Jesus, we have perfect love. Why? As he is. Because fear involves punishment. Guess what Romans 8.1 says? Who knows? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> fear involves punishment. Is there punishment when you're not condemned? Nope. All right. So now that we have no fear of our past, we have no fear of condemnation, we have no anticipation of no danger, right? 
We cannot fail. What would you do with your life if you could not fail? Would that change the way you, you live? Would that change the decisions you make? Verse 20 says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother, he has seen, cannot love the God he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother. This is where I want to get with this. I said all that to get to this point. If we, if we have no fear, if we don't fear condemnation, if we don't fear failure, that makes us bold, Right? It has to. This grace that we have has some serious implications with it. it. It forces me to deal with any complacency that I have in my life because this grace that we have, although we do rest in it, should be the wind at our backs to push us forward. Am I right? This grace that we have says I can't fail. Go back to the trampoline part. I know most everyone in here. Um, I look at your faces and I know your stories. <laughs> I pray they wouldn't cry through most of the sermon. I guess God's showing me that it's, it's going to be towards the end. So, I know most of your stories and the ones that I have and I'm trying to meet with, Tracy and I are trying to meet with as, as this, this lovely family progresses. Um, but I know your stories and I've seen you sacrifice for other people in the midst of tragedy. I've seen you sacrifice for us in the midst of some of your worst times. I've seen it. Not heard stories, I've seen it. So, this, this is where I feel like not only my calling is, but is your calling as well. Because I can't do this by myself. I need you. <laughs> and whether you like it or not, you need me too. <laughs> Somebody's got to have the microphone. So, I want, I want to um, commission you guys with me into this journey that we're going into. Things are weird right now. And I'm not even going to sugarcoat that. They're weird. I, I, have a hard, I have a hard time, even this morning, dealing with you know, Pastor Mark not being there. I have a hard time with it. I'm not going to even pretend like I don't. Sitting in the office this morning, it's tough. These are hard things we're dealing with. But, but I see you guys, and I know you. When Tracy and I prayed about this, that's all I could think about. I, don't, I, I can't imagine being anywhere else with anyone else. I just can't imagine it. This is who we are. I don't know any other way to be. <laughs> and so I'm going to read one more story, and then we're going to pray for you guys. And I've got a few people I've already talked to that are going to come up front and help me pray for you. And I really want to encourage you. This isn't, the stage isn't special or, and, and not that we're that special. But I really want you to, to really catch this vision. And this vision is, is one of outreach. I've spoken to so many people within these last few weeks and, and looking at old videos and going through and just trying to look through all the things that we've done in the past through Deeper Life all the way into Pure Grace Church. And I remember those times when we would just, just love people that we would just get outside this church and we would just love people and to see people's lives changed. And I think about them. After Daniel and Lauren's wedding, we went to eat with some friends and 
man, this really sparked something in me. We were eating, we were talking about church and talking about God and love, and, and then the waitress comes up, and, and then our friends that we were there with asked if we were about to pray for the meal and asked if we could pray for our waitress. Her name was Summer, we found out. And as soon as he said it, she broke and she began to weep. She said, you have no idea what I'm going through right now. I'm having the hardest time and the worst night. And we prayed for her. And when we got done, our friends told us, you know, we don't always do that, but it was just because we were together and we were talking about it and it just seemed like the natural thing to do. Because that's who we are. (laughs) And so it's that kind of culture that I want to cultivate within us. I want us to go outside these doors together and love people like that because that's just who we are. It's not hard. It's not complicated. The gospel's simple. It really is. And I feel like we have a duty to share. I said duty. To share this great. I'm still like a. See, I still think I'm a 12 year old kid sometimes. So I. I. Uh, we still have a job to do. And it's to love people. And this grace that we've given can't be contained. So I'm going to give one example, is a really good example. I feel, obviously, of, uh, of showing God's love, even in the midst of some of the worst situations. And our situation isn't the best right now. So, and it's basically the story of Stephen. And most people, most people talk about this as, as the story, the stoning of Stephen or Stephen being stoned. But I like to call it Stephen's love story. <laughs> because Stephen was an administrative guy. He was an admin guy. He was... Uh, um, he, he was in charge of taking care of the, the widows and orphans. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a priest. But towards the end of Acts, around Acts 7, he gets up and begins to preach a powerful message telling all the history of Israel. This is not a preacher, right? He tells them all this about how this Jesus he loves and he's seen this and it's so real. And he's so excited about it, but the priests aren't that excited about it (laughs) at all. And so it says these priests who are not good people, they've been holding the the people under tyranny. They've been stealing their money. They've been really ugly, to say the least. And Stephen's a good guy, and he's just preaching the love of God and the love of Jesus But hearing it, they gnash their teeth, they grind their teeth down and plug their ears and they rush him. And they rush him out of the city and they begin to stone him. And they're killing him. They're literally crushing him with stones. And you hear one of the most powerful love prayers that sounds awfully familiar towards the end of his life. Now I try to look at this from an onlooker's perspective, which I'm not even going to get into who was one of the onlookers because <laughs> that's a completely different sermon. But I look at it and go, who is this guy? Who is this guy that when he's being stoned to death, he prays for them and he says, Father, forgive them. <laughs> forgive them. And that sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it? 
It's the same thing Jesus says when they're crucifying. That's the kind of love I want. That in the midst of the worst situation, we can still show love and everyone looking on will see that. It's not easy. Listen, church attendance is pretty. (laughs) Ministry gets ugly and it's messy. I'm being serious. It's messy. I've seen it. (laughs) And I've probably not seen the half of it. But I want to ask you guys, if you'll commit with me to do this, to spread the gospel, to spread this grace that we've been given. Listen, it's not going to be pretty all the time. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm all in. (laughs) I don't know what else to do. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to be but to be fully committed to this. So if you guys will stand up with me. We're going to have an invitation. This isn't, this isn't just for salvation, but listen, if, if you've heard anything that I've said and you think, I want that love, listen, you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do, but just say thank you and receive it. So if that's you, listen, we get, we're, going to, we're going to have Andrew and Melissa are going to come up here and pray. Uh, Melvin and Libby, if you'll come up here and pray. And me and Trace are going to be up here. What we're going to do is I want to ask you guys, I want to invite you to come up here and just commit your lives with ours to go move forward with this. You guys know us, you know we love you, and we're not going anywhere. But we just want to pray for you, we want to pray over you. And Emily's going to play, and we're going to pray, and then I'll dismiss us shortly after that. And if you have to go, I completely understand. But just know that that this fight's not over. And you're needed. And you have a purpose here. So right now, I invite you guys to come up. We're going to pray for you. I'll turn my mic off and then I'll pray over the whole congregation after we do this. So please come up. We'll pray for you.
For the sake of the world, 
Father, we thank you that we get to participate in this great love and this journey, Father, that, that we, we just submit our lives to you. Father, we just leverage our lives for you. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes that, that at the end of that, at the end of this journey, just as at the end of... Uh, the end of that obstacle course in that trampoline park. It was ugly, <laughs> on my side anyway. But we made it to the end, and I had a friend next to me. Father, I just pray that as we, as we move together forward in everything that you have for us, Father, in all of your grace and all of your love, nothing undone, 100%. Father, open our eyes as we go out this week. Father, there are people all around us. It just takes a simple conversation and a recognizing that someone needs you. Father, thank you for allowing us to, to partake in this great, great journey that you've given us. Father, for purpose in our life. Father, just go, go before us and prepare a way and open our eyes for those divine meetings. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. It's going to be good. I just want to thank you all for all the phone calls and texts and everything. You guys have been, have been so loving and supportive. And I'm not going to say much more because I don't want to cry anymore. But I just love you so much. And uh, anybody that's interested in, in helping with Children's Church, just hang out a little bit and splash zone. It won't be very long. Just going to kind of gain our bearings there. And man, share, 
share the Easter outreach as much as you can. And sign up in the back and help us because we need the help. But this is something, we're, we're going to pour this love out on everyone that comes to this place. This is just like any other outreach. We're not, we're not calling it, this is not just a, a fun time, although it will be fun. And it's always fun. Um, but this is an outreach just like every other one we're going to do coming up in every month. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody wants to help with sound? Get with Andrew because we need some help with sound as well. So um, there's going to be a lot of things. We, we, it's, we're going to restructure the best that we can and shore up any holes that we have. But we're going to make it. I mean, we're, we're going to do it. It's going to be good. So love you guys. Go and be merry. Don't be merry. Be happy. Thank you.